Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Breaking news, WABC. And everybody, welcome to Cats and Cosby. John is off today. This is Rita Cosby. And boy, what an enormous news day it is here on Cats and Cosby. Joining us, we have Judge Richard Weinberg and also former Chief of Staff for Rudy Giuliani, Tony Carbonetti. Uh, Judge Weinberg, real quick, this just coming down literally in the last few seconds that the U.S. Supreme Court has decided to hear the Trump immunity claim. Tell us about it. That's a very big deal. There was a unanimous decision by the United States Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit saying he had no immunity with respect to January 6th. Trump says he does have immunity. It's a very important issue because he does. He's entitled to immunity if what he did on January 6th was in course and furtherance of his official duties as president. That's a question of fact and what happened. And it's not an absolute bar, as this uh, Circuit Court of Appeals said. So it's a big win for for Trump to get this case up to the Supreme Court. This could also delay the case, correct? Because now if they say we're going to be looking at it, it certainly puts a pause on the case for President Trump in the D.C. Or, case. Good point. But ordinarily, these things wouldn't be decided until the end of June of this year, when the calendar of the Supreme Court is finished up for the, the year. This is so important because it's, this is really involved a free election in this country, they're going to have to rule before that. Wow, so it could be an expedited. But this is a big win. And, Tony, this also comes, as we're just getting news right now, too, about the payment issue with President Trump. Uh, tell us about that, because there's some new details on the payment. So it, it looks like he's This is still... the excessive un-American yes, payment yes, coming yes, from this New York. This is why no one will do business in New York City ever again. Uh, it looks like he still needs to pay the... 400 and the judgment number, whatever, it goes up every day by 9%. Million. So he still needs to pay that. But however, he can do business and borrow money and do business with New York City banks. That's so that deal. part of the big provision is, seems to be, uh, you know, pending appeal, but they want his money right now. They want his money, but he gets to still do business in New York. The Tish James, Jerry Lewis telethon she has going on over there every day you know, on her Twitter account, needs to be paid. Yeah, in fact, every day she puts, here's the 87000 in interest every day, which is astounding. Uh, by the way, we have an action-packed show today here on Cats and Cosby. We have John Solomon, who's going to be joining us in literally uh, one minute. We also have Greg Jarrett, who is going to be talking about the Hunter Biden testimony. First time Hunter Biden goes to Capitol Hill. What did he say behind closed doors? And also, we're going to be talking about President Biden had a physical and also, of course, about the border. Uh, you guys, I could not believe this, though. We just heard from President Biden a few minutes ago, said no problem with crime in America, no problem with the border and no problem, essentially, with the economy. Your when, thoughts. When you live in a bubble, that's how you feel. Because, I mean, we all know walking the streets every day, watching the news every night, there is a crime issue out there. There's a crime issue in every major city in this country. There's a crime issue on the border that needs to be addressed. And the fact that he can live in that little bubble, I guess since no one stole his ice cream this week, everything's okay. Your thoughts, Judge Weinberg, especially, by the way, Katie Porter. This is another big development. Katie Porter, Democrat from California, was asked about the case, this horrible case of the Georgia nursing student who was brutally murdered by an illegal migrant. And she was like, what do you think? And she goes, well, you know, we shouldn't shape policy based on one person. What about George Floyd? We totally racked and destroyed this country's civil order because of George Floyd incident. Everything went wild because of George Floyd. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. It shows a selective memory and hypocrisy of some people in our political establishment. Yeah, it sure does. And by the way, we have uh, John Solomon calling in now for some big breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news is John Solomon, the great founder of Just the News, great investigative journalist. John, you have the best sources out there. Fill us in on what Hunter Biden is saying his first time under oath on Capitol Hill. 
Yeah, listen, he's trying to hold to this line. Uh, quote, I did not involve my father in my business. And it's very frustrating to the lawmakers there interviewing him because all the evidence points to the contrary. And let's just remind people what we now know to be facts and evidence. 2013, Hunter Biden asked his father to take him to a trip in China, and his father met with his very first Chinese business partner. Uh, in 2014 and 15, he scheduled dinners at the Swanky Cafe Milano restaurant in Washington. His father came and met with people like Russian oligarch Yelena Baderina and uh, Burisma executive Vadim Pazarsky. At that time, Burisma was a dirty word in the U.S. government. The U.S. government considered that Ukraine energy company to be corrupt. He met with a Kazakhstan business associate as well. In 2016, uh, he asked his father to meet with a American who was working for the Kazakhstan banks uh, so that he could make a pitch on who should be the next U.N. Secretary General, meaning Hunter Biden was letting one of his business partners influence uh, Vice President uh, Biden's foreign policy decisions as he was trying to court him for business. He made more than two dozen phone calls. The evidence shows that Hunter Biden repeatedly involved his father, including in 2017, when Hunter Biden asked his father to attend a meeting at the Four Seasons Hotel with Chinese officials, the chairman of the Chinese CEFC energy company that would then send millions of dollars starting a few days later to the Biden family's accounts. Uh, the frustration today is that Hunter Biden's words do not match the evidence of emails and testimony from every other witness. Well, and John Solomon also, remember, there's that famous WhatsApp message. This is on his yeah. phone, and it says, I'm That's sitting right. next to my father. Uh, are you going to basically give us the money or not? He's got to either claim, and we'll find out, of course, at some point, but he's got to either claim that he is such a smart businessman, that's why he was showered with all these tens of millions of dollars, <laughs> or yeah. he was so high he can't remember things, or it flipped and flopped, right? Yeah, that's what we don't know yet. We'll get we'll get some readout later this evening. But um, all of Hunter Biden's stories are uh, hard to reconcile with the fact pattern. The fact pattern was this was an advanced and extensive influence peddling ring that traded on the name, the Biden brand, as several of the business partners call it. And then sometimes uh, the vice president himself made it known he wanted uh, his money, uh, his son to be. Uh, taken well care of. I think there's a moment where the president says, take good care of my son to one of these future business partners. I think they were associated with one of the Ukrainian oligarchs. Um, there was, this was a trade on the family name, and Joe Biden was the closer, the rainmaker, the guy that made it all possible. Without his name, they had nothing to sell because they really never really closed any deals for most of these business partners. They got money, but not much results for their clients. Yeah, that's the thing. It defies logic. Why is someone going to pay and keep paying if they didn't get right. something in return? Before I let you go, John Solomon, uh, a lot of big breaking news, but there's apparently yeah. some developments in the case of Robert Hur. He's the special counsel investigating Joe Biden on classified documents. He put out that scathing report where he essentially right. said that President Biden was a well-meaning elderly man who couldn't stand up to a jury, and that's why they didn't go forward. But there's word that the GOP is trying to get the transcripts and also other yes. evidence may also get him to testify. Where does that stand? Uh, this is a very important uh, struggle between the Biden Justice Department and the Republican House. They not only want transcripts of interviews, uh, including the uh, president, uh, the president's own interview, which led Robert Hur to think he was an old, doddering, forgetful man. They also want some of the documents. They want to see some of the documents that were in Joe Biden's possession that dealt with issues in countries where his son had significant interest. Remember, we now know there are Ukraine documents that the president kept from the very month that he tried to fire the prosecutor in Ukraine who was uh, investigating his son's company, Burisma. He had documents from that month with his contacts with officials. He marked them personal. Why is that? And those are questions that the House is trying to answer. And these subpoenas that were issued yesterday are the beginning of that process. So we don't know where it stands yet, right? It's all just in a holding pattern, and we'll see where it goes. Well, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a date due on the subpoenas about 10 days from now, and the Justice Department has not yet responded. So we'll see what happens. But uh, we know what they want, and we know that uh, some of it is clearly relevant to the impeachment inquiry. And that is uh, the next, after today's big interview, that'll be the next big fight for House Republicans. Wow, wow, wow. Big blockbuster stuff. John Solomon, thank you so much. Uh, big news today, and we're so thankful that you're here on Cats and Cosby. Thank you. Great to be with you guys. Bye-bye.
Great, John. Thank you very much. Wow, really big stuff. And now joining us to talk about this and the other huge news that just came down, that the U.S. Supreme Court will decide the Trump immunity claim, which does delay the January 6th trial. Uh, that's really interesting. This and so much more is the great legal expert there on Fox News, Greg Jarrett, who just wrote a great book, of course, The Constitution of the United States and other patriotic documents. Greg Jarrett, um, I want to get to Hunter Biden in a minute and what we just heard from John. We were all listening all at the same time to him. But this news that also just broke that the Supreme Court will now hear Trump's immunity case where he said, I shouldn't be held liable for January 6th and these other things. I was the president and I should be immune, and it would set up such a dangerous standard uh, if you go after presidents, especially sitting presidents. Well, it's the right decision, and I think that the key difference from the early reluctance, I think, of the high court justices uh, to now taking the case was this immunity issue was raised also in the classified documents case against Trump in Florida. So you've got two federal court cases. And I think, uh, you know, the justice said, we have to resolve this once and for all. A completely different U.S. Supreme Court in the early 1980s said, yes, a president does have immunity uh, from civil action, but they never decided criminal action. And so, you know, now 40 years hence, Supreme Court is, I think, forced to do the right thing is it's our job to decide these, you know, matters, and we're going to do it. But I, I think it does effectively not just delay the Washington D.C. Jack Smith uh, case against Trump, but his other case in Florida against Donald Trump. I mean, Greg, let me ask you: You brought up the civil case. Where did they rule on the civil case years ago? Because that's interesting. Because you would think criminals uh, a different issue, but it could also be a precedent. Yeah, it was Nixon versus Fitzgerald. And it was a case in which, uh, you know, an individual had sued uh, Richard Nixon uh, based on, you know, alleged damages. He asserted uh, this was after he left office. He asserted uh, presidential immunity. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, you do have as long as your actions are within the outer perimeter of the duties of a uh, president of the United States. And that's the nearly identical argument that, uh, you know, Trump's lawyers, I think, are going to be making before the U.S. Supreme Court. If you extend it to civil actions, you should extend it to criminal actions. As long as the president is acting within the course and scope of his duties as president. And uh, Trump has a very good argument that that's what he was doing. He thought laws were being broken uh, relevant to the election. Uh, He challenged it legally. uh, And, you know, he's duty-bound under the Constitution. That's his sworn oath to enforce all laws. So he's got an argument there. You know, um, and we've heard from President Trump saying, and his attorneys have said exactly sort of where you're going, Greg, where he's come out and said, listen, I was the president of the United States in the January 6th case. He's saying, I didn't feel that things were being done appropriately and that it's my duty as the president to make sure that elections are instituted appropriately, to to be monitored appropriately. Even if he's mistaken, that doesn't matter. Uh, A honest but mistaken belief uh, that he's acting within his duties provides protection. That's going to be Trump's lawyer's argument. So, uh, Greg, uh, we've got a question from Judge Weinberg here. Greg, I think you have it exactly right. I agree with everything you said. And what I'm concerned about is a decision the other way penalizes and threatens every other president of the United States against a collateral attack after he's left office or she's left office. That's a very, very big problem in terms of functioning of the White House and the presidency. Yeah. How is another president? That's a great point, Judge, because how's another president going to be able to function if they're going to be worried about a lawsuit every time if they're acting in their duties, Greg? Well, Judge, as usual, you are right on the point. Oh, Greg, don't say that. We got to deal with them in the studio. It has an immense (laughs) chilling effect on future presidents. 
uh, are, is every decision that a future president make, uh, makes going to have to be run by a team of White House lawyers? Uh, are then we, nothing oh, would ever happen. Yeah, yeah you couldn't function. Exactly. Yes. You know, a president is a unique position as chief executive uh, commander of our forces. And, you know, he has to make decisions um, based on what he thinks is in the best interests of the United States. But if he has to worry about, uh, you know, being criminally accused by his political adversaries, again, that's a tremendous negative chilling effect. Um, so we're just getting word now, Greg, um, you may be learning this as we are, that the Supreme Court is going to be hearing these arguments during the week of April 22nd. April 22nd, the highest court in the land is going to now be hearing oral arguments uh, on that case of Trump's claim of presidential immunity. What does this do to the timetable on the cases and what does it do? And we're in the midst of a presidential election. Well, I'm I'm reading what you're reading, and uh, the Associated Press says uh, that the uh, Supreme Court will issue a decision no later than the end of June. And in the meantime, they've put a halt on all of the pre-trial negotiations and discussions that are going on in the Washington, D.C. case. So, uh, and look, <laughs> this case was already being rushed. Uh, So if you get a decision at the end of June, you still have to go through all of the pretrial motions that both sides are are going to be uh, sending to the judge, Mm -hmm. the trial court judge. Decisions have to be made. A timetable has to be set. And that runs directly contrary to the longstanding Department of Justice opinion uh, and rule that you cannot take any legal action uh, that will interfere in a presidential election. They, they, they never wrote down what, that, what the timetable means, but it's often been considered minimum uh, 90 to 120 days. So that's a problem for Jack Smith, Merrick Garland, and the Department of Justice. Can you squeeze in a trial in July, August, September, By then, it may be too late. Yeah, you know, how is that not election interference? I mean, look at what they've done to President Trump in New York. Look at this enormous penalty, uh, the way they're handling this, and then to throw this and right before an election. And if you're looking at, say, June, July is the Republican National Convention. I mean, we're already in the throes of the election. How is this not election? This seems so un-American, Greg. The the judge would know this better than me, but I don't see any way to fast-track this with a decision by SCOTUS at the end of June. I I don't think it can be done with all the pretrial motions that are going to be made. Greg, that's exactly right. Because remember, you're talking about two cases. You're talking about the Dockman's case and you're talking about the January 6th case. And how is he supposed to defend himself and have due process to run two major felony cases in two different courts? It's absolutely ridiculous to do that. Plus, as you know, as as well as I do, the documents case is even more complicated, given the fact the discovery and the classified documents allegedly there. That's a big deal to go through those documents. Yeah, I've always said, and I said it the day the indictment was handed down, how in the world can you have a trial in which the jurors must review the documents themselves, but don't have and will never get security clearance. Now, there is a statute, but it's a guideline for that. It's not a solution. And, you know, in a case like this, so heavy on top secret national security classified documents, you know, I was always skeptical that that case could ever be tried. Yeah, absolutely. Greg Jarrett, thank you so much for uh, going with the big break in news here on Cats and Cosby. Anytime. Thank You're you, terrific. Thank, thank you. you very, very much. Greg Jarrett, we love you. We appreciate you. And everybody, after the break here on Cats and Cosby on another action-packed day, uh, we're going to be talking to Shahar Azani, former New York consulate there from Israel, And he is talking about what happened to students on a college campus. They were literally hundreds of mob individuals were chasing after Jewish students. Really frightening stuff that is happening on our soil. That and much more after the break.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back here on Cats and Cosby. A busy news day, but also some really other scary stuff going on here. A violent mob forces Jewish students to evacuate through a tunnel Some of them were injured, and it happened at UC Berkeley. After all the hearings and everything else we have seen on Capitol Hill, all the attention to this, it was a mob of several hundred people chasing after Jewish students. How scary is this? Well, joining us to talk about this and so much more is Shahar Azani. He is the former spokesman for the Israeli consulate in New York. Uh, Shahar, uh, to me... What kind of country are we living in? It. I saw some of the images. It is downright frightening. You know, Rita, it's a pleasure to be with you and with all of our listeners. And yes, you're absolutely correct. Can you imagine? Can you imagine chasing people down in the United States of America for being Jewish? And I want to ask you and our listeners: Can you ever imagine this happening against, let's say, African American students without being an outcry all across the nation? But somehow. When it comes to Jews, everything is allowed. You know, that's a great a great point. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you're shaking your head because this is heartbreaking. Well, but remember... Where's what, the outcry? What, what, but look at the context. What you had is you had an IDF soldier who's coming in to explain the Israeli position with respect to what's going on in Gaza, why... The, the Israelis had gone into Gaza, what the October 7th attack was about, and how the Israeli military forces seriously try to protect civilians and minimize casualties more than any other military force in the world, and they wouldn't allow them to speak. They broke through the doors. They broke the glass. These people were terrified. There was not, not a sufficient amount of security by the Berkeley police on the campus. Yeah. This is outrageous. Whatever happened yeah. to the First Amendment in this country? Where is, the, where is the police? Where is law and order? Where is the administration? And I want to ask a greater question. What happens when the violent mob, you remember what we've been saying, what starts with the Jews never ends with the Jews. What happens if you have a violent, terror-supporting mobsters who are interested in, let's say, enforcing a certain law, enforcing Sharia law? Will they then besiege town halls and threaten council members until their demands are met? We've just seen in the U.K., the uh, home, former Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, who is talking about the Islamists taking over Britain. We've seen a British story MP, Andrew uh, Percy, who was saying that he feels safer in Jerusalem than he does in London because of the same tactics of mobsters who are using violent tactics to get their points across and take over our public space. If we don't wake up now, if we don't realize that this goes far beyond the IDF in Israel, bad things are going to happen to us right here in the United States. Absolutely. Tony Carbonetti? Shahar, it's embarrassing to say, but you're you're absolutely correct because... It is not just Jewish issues. It's it's conservative issues 
all of these yep. schools, whatever happened to, you know, I don't have to agree with, with what you're saying, but I will defend your right to say it. They don't teach right. that to these children. Okay. And these are and these are the liberals. The oh, liberals no, are li- teaching the liberalism. Liberals are the most open minded people in the whole world until you disagree with them. Then they want to take you. away your right to speak and your right to be heard anywhere. By by the way, there's a story today and Shahar, you probably know this, hitting on what Tony was just saying. New York City teachers were told that uh, jihad simply means struggle, not holy war, and it's part of the training sessions run by the Department of Education. Uh, you can't make this up. You it, it, I heard somebody explaining that jihad is simply Arabic for effort, and that just goes to show you. You know, Israel failed miserably in reading the genocidal intentions of the savages of Hamas. We can't afford the United States or the world to make similar mistakes. We have to believe them when they tell us who they are and when they tell us what they're going to do. And when they say jihad, I assure you, Rita, I assure you, Tony, I assure our listeners, they're not talking about taking the effort to take the trash out. They're talking about the infidels. They're talking about taking over societies. They're, taking, they're talking massacre and genocide because this is who they are. And uh, Shaharazani, did you also see, this is really scary in the scheme of all of this, uh, there's a Hamas leader who is calling on Palestinians to march to Jerusalem, the Al-Aqsa uh, mosque there, the very famous mosque there, on Ramadan, which is right around the corner. I mean, that that is they're calling for uh, jihad in the true sense of the word, uh, saying that October 7th was just the beginning. Correct. But they're, they're touching um, upon an issue at the time when Israel has never been readier. Unfortunately, the circumstances could not be more tragic, thinking about the, the, the hundreds who were butchered, raped, tortured, and maimed. But Israel is ready, and we have to make sure, it's obligatory upon us all to make sure that we are ready here in the United States for what's coming. And you know what encourages me? There was a um, Harvard-Harris poll that was published showing that the majority of Americans support Israel in this issue. So it means that the majority of our U.S. citizens understand the issue, but we have to move from the position of a silent majority to taking active roles in defending our society, our democracy, and our freedom. Because even if we do realize the issues, if we don't rise to the occasion and confront the threat, they'll take over. A violent minority, and we've seen the historical examples, can take over even when the majority is not with them. So we have to wake up and wake up now. Yeah, and we have a wide-open southern border, which we're going to talk about. It is a formula for disaster. Shahar, thank you very much. We love having you on. Always a pleasure to be with you. Stay safe, and thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Shahar. Thank you very, very much. And now we have some other big headlines of the day. It's the top news of the day, sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. Well, as you heard here at the top of Cats and Cosby, Hunter Biden says his father was never involved in any of his business ventures. The president's son testified behind closed doors, finally on Capitol Hill testifying. And it is then the Republican-led impeachment inquiry into President Biden. This is connected to allegations that the Biden family has sold influence and access in the past as part of an alleged pay-for-play scheme. Meanwhile, President Biden went to Walter Reed Medical Center today for his annual physical. However, it wasn't on his original schedule, but they are saying it was a normal yearly checkup. We're going to be talking with Dr. Mark Siegel in a few minutes to find out what was discovered. Did they do a mental competency test? I'm curious about that. Also, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell is stepping down as GOP leader in November He made the announcement today on the Senate floor. The 82-year-old said he will step down from the leadership role after the November elections, but will at least serve out the remainder of his term, which ends in January 2027. And everybody, those are your Goya top, top stories of the day. You know how much we love our Goya beans and everything that the company Goya does. And GoyaCares.com does so much, by the way, to combat human trafficking. And we're going to talk about the border also after the break and a lot more. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. 
And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. John is off today. He'll be back. He's coming back from uh, London. Can't wait to hear about his trip. And he sounds like he had a good one. Well, the question is, did President Biden have a good physical? Because the results are coming in. And he had today a physical exam, they said. This is what the White House said at Walter Reed. But it wasn't on his schedule, which is interesting, too. There was no word of it yesterday. Usually it's like, hey, it's coming up. So is there more to the story? And was there any mental competency test? Well, joining us now is Dr. Mark Siegel. Uh, Dr. Siegel, first of all, your reaction to what wasn't on the schedule, now it's on the schedule. Uh, what do you think? I, I don't think that that shows that there was some imminent decline that they needed to zoom in on. I think it's more that maybe they figured out that they had done it in February of last year, and they better do it in February of this year, February about to run out, depending on whether he realizes it's leap yeah, year or not. Yeah, but doesn't that get scheduled in advance? Yeah, Dr. Siegel, I have to say something, and I do, I'm agreeing you with You missed Tony. my joke, Rita. Oh, yeah. I said, you missed my joke. I said, depending on whether he realizes it's leap year or not. <laughs> there you go. Okay, now we're laughing. We got that part. We're all laughing on that. But but Dr. Siegel, in all uh, seriousness, to Tony's point, I covered the White House and you get the schedule. You often get and something like this. You would know a couple days in advance, at least or sometimes even a week in advance, especially that. I believe that. I mean, this is it's highly unusual that suddenly today he's going. uh, I believe, you know, it in advance, but. You know, it doesn't necessarily leak to the media. I think I think I, my interpretation is slightly different. They're nervous. They know that 87 percent of Americans think something's wrong here. They know it. They don't know how to handle it. My view is if they could do a cognitive test and he would pass it with flying colors, they could give him an easy one. They would have done it. Maybe they did do it and don't want to tell us about or it. Or he forgot MRI, to tell them. Which, or they forgot to tell them. <laughs> I, I, I've been yelling was, for an MRI. Way, Why wouldn't the way, they do it? Why wouldn't they joke. do an MRI? They're not doing an MRI. Where is it? If they did it, they're not showing it to us. Why not? You know, it was the same gloss over as last year. Oh, he doesn't have a stroke. Oh, he doesn't have Parkinson's. Oh, he doesn't have multiple sclerosis. Nobody thinks he has that, guys. I mean, you know, it's what he does have that we're wondering about. The stiff gait, that's gotten worse. I don't think that slight arthritis on the hip covers it. The idea that he does he, he his lapses, I don't call them gaffes. I think it's a mistake to call them gaffes. Those have gotten a lot worse. And a bunch of neurologists got hauled out by the left-wing media to say, well, it's like a file cabinet in long-term memory. We all lose it as we get older. But I tested it on my 100-year-old father, and he knew who all those people were. So, I, And then the disorientation episodes is short-term memory. So I, I think that all of America is observing this. Yeah, I don't think are. you have to be, you know, so I don't think they reassured anybody today. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, uh, Mark Siegel, Dr. Siegel, do you believe we'll hear some of the results? Usually you get sort of a synopsis from the doctors. Um, usually, like, it could be the White House doctor. It could be somebody else. Is there some sort of synopsis or something that we'll get? And I agree with you. I think they probably did not give him, I would imagine, a uh, a uh, mental competency exam. I would imagine they Correct. probably no, decided no. not to because they don't want to know what the results are. I, By the way, Rita, Rita the, the memo that's coming out is already pretty much leaked. It's what I just said. They're, they're going to say they have – we don't see the official memo, but it's all leaking all over the place. While you're busy doing the show and starring as usual, I'm seeing the leaks. And basically what I said is what they're going to say, that it, that it's that it's not – uh, you know, oh, neurologists looked him over. They, oh, they all say some nameless neurologist looked him over. He's all fine and nameless, you know, people. And it, it, he's saying the same thing he said last year, fit to serve, no problems, no issues, fit to serve. That's what that's what uh, Kevin O'Connor is saying. Now, and, um, and, and by the way, he has a piece of swampland to sell you in, in Florida. <laughs> too. Exactly. And three Brooklyn bridges. Right, doctor? You know, yeah, he's sharp as a tack. Um, and uh, speaking of, uh, I think he has, a, you know, on the GOP side, uh, Mitch McConnell, he's had these freezes. You know, he's at remember, he's been in the press conferences. He's had these sudden freezes and he has now announced and to his credit, 
He came out today and he is not going to continue in leadership. He's the longest serving leader in the Senate on Republican and Democratic side. So that's a big deal. He's I mean, he's been there a long time. He's 82. But he said, I'm so I'm feeling the sunset of my life. He's still staying in the Senate, but not in the leadership role. But here's a different example. People are going, why isn't Biden doing the same thing and stepping aside, too? Well, by the way, McConnell, I, I'm suspicious that what he has are Parkinsonian freezes because, it, it, again, I haven't examined any of these people. I'm just, you know, I don't usually shoot my gun from afar like this until it becomes really obvious. But, you know, uh, they were standing around when he had those freezes and, you know, nobody went rushing to his side. So I didn't yeah, think they were seizures. That? Or, that always well, bothered because they, me. Because I think they know about it. I think they know about what's going on. If it was, if someone thought he was having a seizure or a stroke, they would rush, rush him right to the hospital. So I think that Parkinson's makes more sense. I can't prove that, but but the point is, whatever that was, it was part of a neurological problem going on. You know, people like to say, oh, you know, not about Mitch, but people like to say, oh, you know, it's just a TV gotcha moment. They're not. These are not. And they weren't for him and they were, they're not for the president either. And so him stepping aside, I think, was 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 predictable. Biden not stepping aside, Rita, to answer your question <laughs> is because here's why. There's two reasons. One is political, because there's a whole team in place who wants to keep their jobs. They don't necessarily care who the jewel in the crown is. Maybe the wife, maybe his wife is partly running the country. I don't know. But here's the other piece of this. If you are losing something, you're the last to know it. You're not the first to know it. You're the last to know it. You think you're fine. It's the people around you who know it. And, and the idea that the press secretary can say, well, every day he passes a cognitive exam, really? You're the doctor that's assessing that? I mean, you know, now the press secretary has an MD. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, thank you very much. Dr. Mark Siegel, you're terrific. We love having you here. Thank you. Well, great to be with you. Thank you. Thank Thanks you very much. And, and by the way, uh, speaking of hard-hitting interviews, he, what he just—he was eating ice cream. Remember talking to Seth Meyers? So that's the—that's the cognitive test he has every day. Our that president. no one watches. Me that, that yeah, that no one watches. Uh, well, joining us now uh, to talk about something that everybody is watching is our border and what's happening with illegal migrants, including all the crime. That is happening around the country. We've been talking about the Georgia case with the nursing student. And today, the mayor there of Athens, Georgia, was shouted down like I have never seen people coming up. He's speaking to talk about the case. And they were shouting at him, saying, you are to blame the sanctuary city policies, you and others. We want names of everybody who's been a part of this. People are fed up because they're seeing these crimes. And there's another big case happening in Virginia. And joining us now is the attorney general of Virginia, Jason Miaris. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, we love having you here. Um, and this is such a horrible case. Tell us what happened in your state, yeah. because people are shaking their heads saying, how did this happen? Yeah, I mean, Rita, thanks so much for having me. You're so right. This is it seems like every day there's another headline. Every day there's another tragedy of, um, you know, this absolute abject failures of the Biden administration. Um, it is broken bodies from a broken border. And what we had in Virginia and Campbell County, right outside Lynchburg, we had a illegal immigrant from Venezuela who crossed the border. Uh, he was detained and released last September. And now he's picked up two felony charges in connection with a sexual assault of a minor. And just for your listeners to understand how this has reached uh, this, this, this level of insanity, uh, during the Obama administration, his Homeland Security director said that if you had roughly 1,000 illegal crisis or contacts a day, about 30,000 a month, it would be considered a crisis. In the month of December, we had over 300,000 crossings. We've had 6 million uh, illegal crossings since Biden has taken office. That is larger than over 32 different states. The population of 32 different states have crossed over into our country. And over 80% of these individuals, when they're stopped, they are not they're not detained. They're given simply the equivalent of what you would think of a traffic ticket that gives them a date in court four or five years from now. They're not fingerprinted. They're not giving a required where they have to give their residency. They're simply it's a catch and release program back into our country. And so whether it's in Campbell County, whether it's in Athens, Georgia, with Lake and Riley, the reality is these are the most preventable of violent crimes. And it's preventable because the president lacks the will 
to simply issue the executive orders and simply instruct and demand that the that the Homeland Security do its job. It is an absolute abject failure of the Homeland Security and Secretary Mayorkas and so many others to do their job. And it's why you're seeing the Border Patrol Union uh, losing their mind and publicly chastising the administration. It's why you're seeing governors from around the country banding together because every state is now becoming a border state because of an absolutely preventable crisis that has been created simply because of the abject failure of the Biden administration. Yeah, absolutely. We're all seeing it. And then he's going to the border tomorrow, uh, you know, say, oh, everything's fine. Uh, everybody, we're talking to the Virginia Attorney General, Jason Meares. Uh, Judge Weinberg. Jason, welcome back to the show. I want to point out your state, the state of the Commonwealth of Virginia, is not a sanctuary state. They abide by the Constitution of the United States. They cooperate with ICE. We have other states across the country who say we're the sanctuary cities or counties or states. What's your opinion about this in terms of this epidemic of lawlessness? Well, it is an epidemic of lawlessness. And what you have is tragically, you're right, we don't, we're not a sanctuary state in Virginia. But just like in Athens, Georgia, they had a local social justice prosecutor that decided to uh, have a criminal first victim line, mindset. We have some of those in Virginia that have absolutely – uh, allowed those that have been picked up for crime in Virginia uh, that are that cross the border illegally not to notify ICE. So that that absolutely has happened in certain localities. I mean, listen, the Lake and Riley case was was not only was it a failure at the border, it's also a failure of these social justice prosecutors in New York City and then in Athens, Georgia, that they brag quite openly about the. Um, uh, about having this kind of criminal first, victim last men- mentality. This person should have never been on the street. And at minimum, at minimum, you know, even if you're one of these lefties that think we should have, you know, unfettered, you know, unrestricted uh, immigration, legal or, or illegal, don't you think, though, that if at minimum, if you commit a felony, if you break our laws, you shouldn't be allowed to be in our country. I mean, that should be basic common sense. But common sense is a very common these days. Yeah. And you know what, by and, the way, and I know you know this, uh, Mr. Attorney General, uh, it just came out in the last 24 hours that in the Lincoln Riley case, uh, this monster, and that's what I call this illegal uh, migrant, because he had a track record, as you talk about shoplifting, endangering a child, coming into the country illegally, all these different states. The writing was on the wall. He disfigured her skull. Uh, and then he dragged her into the woods, and she was trying to call nine one one. I mean, it, it is it is unconscionable uh, what happened there, and and it, it's telegraphed. You see, this guy is a criminal. What are you letting him in? And what, how many how many chances do you want to give somebody? And when you have an open border, and you don't vet somebody, you want obviously good people. They're they're checked, they're screened. That's a different story. That's not what's happening. Uh, go ahead, Tony. Mr. Attorney General, um, the case that you were describing in, in, in Virginia, so they, this gentleman was caught at the border and released into the country. How did they end right. up in Virginia? Do you know that? We're still trying to ascertain that. Oftentimes what happens is they cross the border illegally and they will try to connect with other family members or other friends. But but to, get, to be clear, and this is where I think this is what's so infuriating for me. My family came here legally. They fled communist Cuba. When they went through, they had to go through a background check. They had to be fingerprinted. They had a lengthy questionnaire about all known associations, whether they were any criminal enterprises. They had to list their entire medical history, whether they had any 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 communicable diseases. There was a lengthy, lengthy. We came through Ellis Island. I know the process. Right, right, all right. So exactly. So many of us know that process. These individuals never have to do that. My mother had to take an oath of allegiance commit and everybody who's now a citizen when they take their oath of allegiance it's to if need be pick up arms on behalf of the united states military defend our constitution and they have to pass the citizenship test these individuals are doing none of that they don't have to pledge an oath of allegiance to us they don't have to go through a background check they literally come through they give them a little piece of paper that says we'll see you in 2028 or 2029 and then they're gone there was no electronic monitoring of this individual we know he was apprehended we know he was let go, no attempt of electronic monitoring. And, you know, it is completely on the Biden administration, a failure uh, to act. And, and, if, and I think one of the biggest problems we have with those in public office right now is a lack of will. This is simply because the Biden administration has gotten in their head 
that anything that had come before them, all the successful policies that had helped really uh, close down yep. and and stem the tide of illegal immigration, that because my predecessor did it, because Trump did it, I can't do it, even though it, it had been a policy that had slowed the flow of illegal immigration into the into the entire country. And it is true. Every state is a border state. You can look at polling. Doesn't matter whether you board the, the border of Mexico or not. Illegal immigration is one of the top issues for voters. They know it's broken. Yeah, they do. They do. They, they see it. Broken. You're right. They see it, Mr. Attorney General. It's the number one issue in all the polls. Uh, and people are so concerned. Uh, and uh, I'm so sorry. What happened in your state? It's happening, as you mentioned, Georgia, New York. It's happening everywhere. New Jersey, Connecticut. How sad. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, thank you. You keep up the good fight. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you so much. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about the crisis at the border. We also have Doug Schoen. We're going to be talking with him about the fact that last night in the Michigan primary, well, uncommitted, got a lot of votes. Uh, and that's uncommitted against Biden. A lot more after the break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. So much in the news. And again, everybody just breaking, as you heard at the very top of the show, that now the U.S. Supreme Court will hear the Trump immunity claim to decide if he has presidential immunity that affects the January 6th case. Also, the classified documents case in Florida and could certainly delay these cases in a big, big way. Well, join us to talk about all of this and so much more. And, of course, also President Biden in the Michigan primary uh, is Doug Schoen, the great political strategist. Doug, um, I just want to get your reaction first to the big breaking news that now it looks like the Supreme Court will hear arguments. We're hearing it's going to be the week of April 22nd on whether Trump has presidential immunity. This could kind of push back a lot of stuff. How does this impact the political race? Well, you, your use of the word or the phrase pushback is, to me, the operative expression. I think that this will effectively delay any cases against President Trump, any of the criminal cases until after the election. And that is a huge win for the former president, whatever the Supreme Court uh, decides. So that, to me, is the big news, the big takeaway from the decision to hear the case. Let me ask, um, actually, we have Judge Richard Weinberg with us. We also continue with Tony Carbonetti. Uh, there's also the New York case that's coming up. Well, that's a different. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's it wouldn't a delay that. Case. That's no, right. No, the Alvin Bragg case about the the so-called payoff to for hush money for the stripper or, or whatever she was. Uh, she was a nice girl, right? But a nice fact, girl who had other extracurricular yeah, activities. Yeah, but the fact of the matter is that's got nothing to do with the presidential immunity. No, and, and that's a, so that that can continue. That just on its merits happens to be, as a matter of fact and law, is a bad case that never should have been brought anyway. That's that's what I was going to say. Richard is obviously correct, and I stand corrected there, but it is a bad case, and I cannot see that case doing anything uh, to adversely impact the former president's chances. Truth be told, with a substantial segment of the electorate, it may well help him and demonstrate his argument that he has been persecuted uh, unfairly, uh, uh, given a case that originated, whatever its merits, before he was even uh, president of the United States. And uh, Doug Schoen, um, on the flip side, you got President Joe Biden, who went for uh, what wasn't on the books, a physical exam today. We haven't heard the results sort of of it, if there was even a mental competency and he also, so you got people talking about his age. We saw that in the the classified documents investigation of him with Robert Hur. And then now you also have uh, Michigan last night, where there were over a hundred thousand people who voted uncommitted versus voting Biden. These are the folks who don't like his support of Israel, even though I contend it's kind of waffly, but they don't like it. There's there's a lot of things going on on the Democratic side. Yeah, I think. Uh... You know, the problem Biden has is himself, meaning uh, I think it involves the Middle East, Rita, but I also think 
with 70% of the American people saying he's too bold to be president. I think there are a lot of people who voted uncommitted just to express a sense that the Democrats should well nominate someone else. Yeah, Tony Carbonetti's shaking his head here, yeah. Uncommitted did not have to go to the hospital today and probably actually just qualified. Uncommitted did not have to go to the hospital today and probably just qualified for New York City matching funds too, Doug. So he's got to worry about that because that number is going to start to grow. As you as you find states in the primaries that can you can vote for an alternative, I think that number is going to start to grow. Well, I, I think it has grown to the point where the White House is in. You know, I, I saw one headline that's full panic mode. I don't think they're in full panic mode, but they're pretty darn close because they realize they don't have a, an affirmative strategy for the president. There are all sorts of negatives related to his age his competence, inflation, border. I I think the myriad problems the president has are slowly dawning on the White House strategists that, you know, the old Pogo saying, we've met the enemy and he is us. So so it's not a five-alarm fire. It's maybe a a three or four. (laughs) I I think, and, and, and Rita, you know this, I think it's a safe bet he's replaced at the convention. I, I say that's pretty. I'm pretty confident about that now. What do you think? He Doug? cannot go forward now. Tony and I were I, talking, and the judge yeah, before no, I, this. I, I, I keep it, saying it, Michelle Obama. Well, here's what I here's the way I see it. Uh, uh, two months ago, I would have said Tony is vastly overstating the case. Right now, I say it is a reasonable conclusion to reach, given the political facts and the uh, health uh, related facts and the legal. So I think it's all a fair uh, set of questions to ask. I think the closer you get to Election Day that uh, President Biden, if he drops out, chooses not to be a candidate, the more likely it is you get Michelle Obama and the less likely you get uh, Kamala Harris. Wow. Well, we'll be watching. Doug, thank you so much for joining us, Doug. Thank you, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. And you guys, what an action-packed day. Tony Carbonetti, Judge Weinberg, and John, who's coming back. He'll be back tomorrow. Everybody, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. And uh, God save the king, since John was in London. And God bless America, and God bless New York.